Welcome to episode 32 of Blue Jays Happy Hour Live. I'm Nick Ashbourne, joined as always by Andrew Stoughton. And one of the risks, I believe, of our kind of variable podcast schedules, often we have podcasts that are fairly near to each other that does not give room for the uh, vibe around the team to change. The vibe is still bad, but that doesn't mean there are things to di- there aren't things to discuss. And, you know, as is tradition, we're going to start with a little bit of transaction banter. The Blue Jays looks like they're bringing aboard Yoshi Sutsugo on a minor league deal. We're not going to drill too far down into that. But also in the last couple of days, we've started to hear the chatter about potential interest in a Ken Giles reunion on the Blue Jays part. Uh, and, you know, a lot of teams are potentially looking at a guy who has that kind of experience and, you know, his stuff is clearly diminished since his prime, but someone who could help people. So Stoughton, does the Satsugo edition give you, engender any thought in you whatsoever? And uh, what do you think when you hear about rumblings of Blue Jays interest in Ken Giles? Yeah, uh, Satsugo is easy. Uh, no. I do not really have thoughts on Absolute, that. Absolutely fair. Yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, you get released by the Pirates. I don't really feel that there's uh, a lot of help you're going to give anybody at this point. Um, you know, Giles is interesting. I mean, diminished, yes, but uh, they sort of got a pile of uh, of lottery tickets that they're they're working on that could hopefully, you know, all they need is a couple or one even to, you know, to show up Merriweather or Pearson or Zulueta or whoever else to help you know, help the bullpen. Um, adding Giles to that pile would be uh, would be a, a, a fine move, I think. I mean, I, I wouldn't treat it any differently than, you know, Sergio Romo, where it's like you're just getting a look, and uh, and and his you know his spot on the roster wouldn't be necessarily uh, w- wouldn't be locked down. I don't think you'd have to worry about that. And there, this is, uh, I, you know, I think it's a good situation for them here because this is a team that is a contending team that would be in the playoffs if they started today that, you know, has a chance to, even though bad things have been happening all over the place, uh, has a chance to go far in the playoffs and also uh, has an opportunity in the back of their bullpen that, you know, would really appeal to a guy like Giles who has pitched here before and knows, you know, at least something about it too. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to consider me a Giles skeptic at this point. Sure, you know, he, he's throwing kind of ninety, more like ninety-five as opposed to the ninety-six, ninety-seven that he used to bring when he was with the Blue Jays. I, you know, the hundred miles Giles nickname was always a little bit of a misnomer, at least outside of sort of his first couple of years. I know that uh, he got some guff from fellow Blue Jays teammates during his tenure here about how he was never actually able to throw a hundred miles an hour. Uh, now that is very far in the rearview mirror. So I I kind of question like the, you know the slider's actually been the pitch throughout his career that's been the most effective. Uh, it's really hard to tease out like how is that pitch going to be when the fastball isn't something that hitters have to worry about to the same level because especially his slider the, you know the movement numbers on it were never that crazy if anything it it kind of dives vertically and doesn't move horizontally but it doesn't even move that far above average vertically so it, I don't know it's a bit of a weird pitch Maybe it'll still work if he's throwing 95. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those situations where if I showed you everything about the player and took his name away, um, that might change the way people feel about it. So it it sort of depends how much. And it's not like this transaction has happened, but it's something that could happen. But I wonder how much people would be interested in it. And also that depends how much value you want to put on the, you know, this guy has experience in the biggest spots, 
Um, not that the playoffs were always kind to Giles when he was with Houston, but this is someone who has sort of filled those roles before, and it's hard to put a precise value on that. But, you know, the the floor of the Blue Jays' bullpen is pretty low. Uh, yeah, if they got him, like you said, it's like Romo. I'm not confident that it would make a difference, but um, I think, you know, it would it would be a very small little PR boost here, and, and you never know. And, like, I want to get into the other, you know, the lottery tickets, as you said, too, because this week we're starting to get some of that news of Julian Merriweather – having his first rehab outing, Nate Pearson starting to throw off a mound. Like what is the fair level of hope? And, you know, it might be fair to say that the fair level of hope is literally zero, but where, where did you put those things mentally in terms of framing them as lottery tickets or something you consider? Like, do you think one of these is going to hit or do you think the more likely, like, is it more likely right now that they'll have the exact bullpen they have today at the end of September and potentially into the playoffs? Or is it more likely that at least one of these guys finds a way to break through? Yeah, I mean, I think if they can stay healthy and that's always, you know, obviously been the question, right? And uh, But I, I think there's a good chance that the, that there, the bullpen is not uh, exactly the same. But I, the, I like, I mean, not calling them lottery tickets, because I think they're gonna they're gonna hit on them, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, like I would say, uh, like that that is what I would say. well with Giles. What I would say is that at least you know you kind of have the fact that he's been injured and that he's working his way back. That you know maybe those things can you know maybe maybe the the velocity can still tick up a bit. Uh, maybe you know maybe uh, he can get back to some semblance of what he was before, or at least a little closer to it than he is now over time with more work. Um, and, but I don't, I don't feel like all that different about him than I do about Merriweather than I do about Pearson. Uh, obviously it can be really, really good if they get back and if they're healthy. And I think obviously the Jays have, uh, have, have perhaps been, um, have perhaps like, like geared them towards this, this return date, like specifically not rushing them back too, too quickly. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that they're that they're getting healthy here in September. I mean, they could or here as September approaches, I, you know, they could have used them at other points too, obviously. But uh, if they think the number of bullets in those arms are limited, then you know the the path that they're sort of on to rejoin the team just before the rosters expand and uh, you know the playoff rosters have to be decided uh, probably probably makes a lot of sense. So uh, that doesn't mean I necessarily think they're going to get anything out of these guys. But you know we've seen it. We've seen it in stretches, and you know, all asking for a month out of Nate Pearson that's really good is different than asking for a season out of him that's really good at this point. So you kind of have that in your favor, I guess. But um, you know, it, it's pretty small. It's a small thing to have to cling to at this point. Yeah, I understand your framing of them as lottery tickets. It's absolutely true. Sort of picking out one individually and saying this guy is going to make a difference. Um, is hard. It's hard to say that and feel good about it, especially with the guy, the horse that I had favored, which was Zulueta, having some injury problems now. And you know, I don't know the exact severity of those injury issues. Live podcast, no edits. Um, and so it's pretty hard to imagine him being the guy, and he'd been the one I'd individually favored. I do think there's a difference between Merriweather and Pearson in terms of. You know, Merriweather could get back and from just from a performance standpoint, like he hasn't been good when he's pitched this year. He wasn't really good last year for most of the time that he was pitching. 
Um, there's that discrepancy where he seems to give up a bunch of hard contact. And some of that is it's small sample. It's hard to know how much of it is real. You know, he's got 44.1 MLB innings under his belt. So a lot of some of the things we've seen could be noise with him. But I think Merriweather is probably more likely to come back just because he's closer to coming back. But I'm less confident that he could actually make a difference. Whereas Nate Pearson, I am quite confident that he would make a substantial difference in this bullpen were he totally healthy but the idea of getting him to be totally healthy it's a longer road from here to then and uh you know we've seen him experience setbacks before and were that to happen it would be one of the less shocking outcomes that could uh befall the blue jays yeah you're definitely you're definitely right there uh (laughs) you know merriweather i just sort of hope like i don't know we've seen we've seen and i've seen stuff about uh Spin rates after sort of cratering after the uh, after the sticky stuff ban came into place have started creeping back up, uh, and that seemed to be uh, even though I don't know that there's like a huge. I mean, I think Jordan Romano had a much a much more pronounced sp- uh, dip in his spin rate and sort of had to reinvent himself a bit after that. Uh, I don't know that Merriweather had the same. You know, if you look at the line on the graph, but uh, it was conspicuous how good he was before then and how he has struggled since then and maybe if he finds a way to get uh, get a little more spin get a little better grip uh if they're doing you know if teams are doing something that is uh that is getting past the umpires or that is that is a blind eye is being turned to more than it was in like the initial months and weeks after that uh you know maybe uh, I, I don't know the bar is the bar is just so low right now anyway that uh you know people are people are like Watching Matt Gage's numbers and stuff and AAA and like I mean, uh, you know <laughs> that's kind <laughs> that, of rip. Yeah, and I mean it, the roster thing kind of depends on, and we'll we'll bleed into the Kikuchi situation here, just because yeah. you know as is tradition for every time he starts, there's a whole different uh, discussion about the him being exactly the same. Um, but if Kikuchi remains on the roster. Um, which is becoming less and less of a given, but also it's hard to find a way to get him off there as well, then the bar is sort of Trevor Richards. Whereas if you have to have someone who can perform better than that, whereas if, and maybe it wouldn't be Trevor Richards, it would be Zach Pop you send down or whatever, just because of managing uh, the roster and whatnot. But But if Kikuchi is somehow gone, and so Mitch White is your fifth starter, then you kind of, then the bar is Trent Thornton. Uh, which is a very different bar and one that you feel pretty confident that Julian Merriweather can get across. But yeah, the, the Kikuchi thing to just dive back into it. Uh, just an, another outing on Monday that was extremely reminiscent of a lot of his other outings. He has had some poor luck, like some of the, some poor fielding behind him. That was undoubtedly a factor in how his outing went. But at the same time, you can find excuses on kind of every individual thing. But if, you continue to be the common denominator, then it's it's pretty hard to use the Montoyo phrase. It's pretty hard to defend this guy. John Schneider said, like, the season is getting short at this point. Um, you know, the team's record with him on the mound is appalling. And it's, yeah, it's it used to be so much easier to say, oh, they're very comfortably in a playoff spot. They can afford to iron this out. It's May, it's June, whatever. And it's just those statements are applying less and less. And that doesn't mean that like he's guaranteed to not get his next start. Uh, but if he does, I don't think people will be happy to see it happen. No, I, I don't. I don't think so either. I know I won't be. I don't imagine that the other players on the team will be. You know, as uh, encouraging as they may be of uh, of him, 
Uh, and that's, you know, that's been cool. You know, the, the cheering him up thing that was happening earlier in the year. Uh, but yeah, the season is getting short. Uh, it's, uh, I just, I just retweeted something that was like a playoff start today and they're, they're the Jays in the, the number six seed in the AL. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's time and they have Mitch White and they have Ross Stripling coming back. You can run a full complement of five starters, uh, and feel pretty good about four of them. And then there's Jose Barrios, who, you know, you're paying so much that you have to feel good good about anyway. I know Kikuchi, obviously, financially is a component there as well. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, I've heard some talk of people are like, well, if you think you're just going to stick him in the bullpen and he's going to be a, a, an asset, like, that's crazy. It's like, well, yeah, no shit. Like, it's not about making him an asset. It's about, you know, limiting the liability that he's become for them. And he's been, unfortunately, the whole time. And, you know... Uh, I will have lots of time for Kikuchi next spring if he's still around, if they don't figure out a way to, to, to Randall Gritchell come out of town. I know they did front load that contract, so maybe there was a little bit of trepidation there. I think it's 16 this year and, and 10 in the next two years, um, which also makes it maybe a little bit more palatable to cut bait on him next year, which is something that might be on the cards too. But, you know, for the time being, like, you know, you don't want him to be taking up a roster spot and maybe another next strain is in the cards. But, you know, you're better off with him sitting there and getting mop-up duty as and as limited a role as possible for the next six weeks than you are with him in the rotation i mean it's uh it's unfortunate but you're gonna they're gonna have to make that call at some point and maybe he gets another look if somebody gets hurt or has to skip a start or whatever but uh but i don't i don't see that there's there's any other option at this point really yeah, you absolutely hit the the nail on the head there in terms of making him an asset to the team is not a realistic goal at this point. Like, right. it, it just isn't. And so the idea of like, oh, well, he couldn't be good in the bullpen because of what he's doing. Who cares? Like, if if someone <laughs> yeah. is the last guy in the bullpen, especially, you know, later in the season when you're probably a little bit more willing to push your guys because every win means more and, you know, you know where you are. Uh, in the standings and also, also like the Blue Jays lineup has not been good lately, but this is a team capable of creating those blowout wins. I know that they have not come in the ways that you'd imagine. Um, but there are times to shove a mop up guy in there. Uh, and whether, you know, these days it's more blow up losses, but don't worry about there not being a time to use Yusei Kikuchi out of the bullpen because he doesn't fit any role well. Like that, there are games that are not going to matter in terms of just, you know, you're up or down a significant amount. Having him be an expensive mop up guy, yeah, not an ideal use of $16 million, but we're not team building anymore. We're, we're trying to win games here. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if he gets one more start, but, you know, they kind of hinted at probably not because I think if Schneider said that he didn't really see using Mitch White out of the bullpen, well, if you're using him as a starter and Ross Stripling is coming back on Wednesday, you know, Kikuchi is the guy who gets kicked out of that, no matter how bad uh, Barrios has been in some of his recent outings. And it is a different situation with him and Barrios. Like, he just hasn't provided reason for optimism. Like, there, the stuff is valid. Like, he does have some good stuff. He does have the good velocity on the left side. He can miss bats. But that's all we've seen, and we haven't seen that translate into results. So, yeah, the idea of him rotting in your bullpen is not ideal. but you know, we're not going to find an ideal solution at this point. Like, it, there, <laughs> I, I don't, people are putting the bar too high because there is no good thing to do with a pitcher like this at this point in the season. 
And, uh, you know, you put, you put him in the bullpen, your bullpen's a little bit shorter than you want it to be. You find mop up duty for him and then you leave him off a playoff roster. It's not, I don't know. At this point, I just don't think it's rocket science. I think there's, that's kind of the path unless you think that you can get away with another next strain. And I don't know what the calculations on that are and, uh, what the risk is in terms of someone calling shenanigans on that is. And maybe you think it's worth doing that. But I just don't have enough information on all sides of that to know whether that's a wise calculation. Yeah. And the other thing, I mean, I think it's probably too late in the process now. Like, well, I've seen people mention, you know, well, what about like, what about at least giving him an opener? And, uh, and, and you know, he's a lefty. You could have, it's not that hard to have somebody open and start. Maybe he can soak up some innings. Maybe there's less pressure on him to do that. I, I think that there's a lot of reasons that that might not work as well. Like he hasn't started, like, you know, the beginnings have been shaky for him and having him come in in an unfamiliar way maybe is not going to be great. Um, I, I, I would have been amenable to that suggestion, you know, a month ago. I suppose, but uh, you know, just to try something out. But I, I, I think at this point, yeah, you, you're you got to put him in the bullpen. I would be surprised if they didn't at this point. But what the what the hell what the hell do I know about what they're doing over there at this uh, at this point as well? So I mean, also the rotation stuff. Yeah, it's easy to zero in on Kikuchi, but there's an overall issue with it lately. Like it just has not been good. I mean, ERA is not the be all and end all, but over the last 30 days, here's the ERA of the starters like Gosman 413, Manoa 403, Stripling 432, Kikuchi 571, Barrio 631. Like there isn't a guy I know on any given night. Like, if you send out Kevin Gosman tomorrow or Alec Manoa tonight, um, I don't feel like worried about that from a Blue Jay standpoint. I don't say, oh, no, this guy is going to suck and the Blue Jays are in a bad spot. But it really hurts when it feels like none of these guys are rolling at all. And normally you get one or two guys who are pitching particularly well at a given time and a couple guys are struggling and it all balances out a little bit. And a huge part of their issue right now is that no one is pitching particularly well. And, you know, the offense can bail you out of that sometimes. But if every single night you're expecting your guys to give a little bit up, it does put pressure on the offense. They don't get those easy nights where, you know, Manoa rolls through eight innings or Gosman gives you seven with, you know, one run and 10 strikeouts or whatever. Like those starts have been so few and far in between recently. And Blue Jays fans also have been sold the idea. And I think it's a valid idea coming into the season that, this was one of, if maybe not the strength of the team, because it's probably the depth of the lineup, but this was a huge strength of the Blue Jays. And right now, it seems pretty fair to say that this is a weakness of the Blue Jays, which is not something we could have expected. Ryu plays a little bit into that, for sure, Him, his absence, although he didn't play well when he was here. Um, but it is weird to be sitting here late in the season thinking, oh, maybe the Blue Jays rotation isn't that good. Yeah. It, it, it's it's very weird. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, the Barrios thing is just so confounding. I mean, if you told me, yeah, like that 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 is just I I I can't wrap my head around what's going on there. I saw uh, like Chris Black Sportsnet had a, a thread about, you know, I it, yeah, the squint pretty good to see like okay, maybe he's maybe his landing legs a little bit different. Maybe there's something wrong there. Uh, I didn't write anything about it because I haven't written I haven't written enough lately because everything is just so like so down. Uh, I definitely looked at some guys who like qualified for, uh, you know, like qualified for the ERA title in their, in their age, like 27 to 29 years that, you know, a lot of, you know, if you're, if you're given that many innings, you're sort of established or you're on a really bad team. 
and you know, tried to try to see like, okay, are there guys who just had terrible years like this and then kind of went back to normal? And yes, there are there are some. There are some that are you know Ubaldo Jimenez, and there's some who are Ricky Romero, where like the, the it, just, it, it just never came back. Um, uh, that's that's a bit of a concern. I mean, that's a bigger picture concern, and I think also you know sort of cascading from this is uh, is something we've talked about a bunch you know on, on several episodes throughout the year is just the lack of development of pitching for this team uh is really hurting you know if you have more relievers you know in the pool of relievers that were actually like usable in big league situations in higher leverage situations maybe you don't run these guys quite as hard early on if you have if you can get anything out of Thomas Hatch or Anthony Cave you can feel comfortable maybe skipping a guy a start if you you know Alec Manoa just going with the you know with, with no restrictions whatsoever like he is a big dude and they they obviously feel comfortable about that or they say they do but uh, you know, there, there are ways to sort of to load manage that we haven't seen as much on the pitching side as we do on the hitting side. And I, I, I suspect that that's because they just don't have the horses to do it. Uh, and that sort of has like a knock on effect. And, and, and maybe we're seeing that right now. Uh, hopefully it's more just that it's a bit of a blip. Hopefully it's more that there's some bad ball luck. And we know that that is, that has been the case at times. The defense has been a bit sloppy lately, though that you know that can get factored in with errors and such into the ERAs. But uh, yeah, it hasn't been ideal, and yet you still think, man, you go into a you go into a short series and you have Manoa, Gosman, and Barrios, and you, you don't you don't feel like you're already beat before the first pitch is thrown, which is which is wild. Uh, they they do have to get there, and I've been kind of ignoring that concept for a while. Uh, but they're, they've played themselves back into they got to get their kind of territory. Yeah, and uh, Barrios is is definitely the most confounding one of that group. You know, the Blue Jays' big contracts that they've given out, I think, you know, you would do Ryu again. But, you know, if you want to drill down into the, you know, the total value compared to the dollars paid, you know, and probably not a great contract. And the jury is very much out on Barrios and Springer right now uh, in deals where you're expecting to more so in Springer's case, you expect to get the value at the beginning of the deal. But, you know, in Barrios's case, there'll be seasons where he'll be old enough that you worry a little bit about velocity decline and things like that. And it could be that we look back in a couple of years and think, man, you know, they had those young guys. They had Bichette. They had Guerrero. They didn't cost him anything. They had Teoscar Hernandez, Alejandro Kirk. You know, even Guriel Jr. to a lesser extent, they had this huge group that they could build whatever they wanted on, and all they had to do was throw money at it, and they threw the money in the wrong places. And again, we are at a, at a very down juncture for the Blue Jays, so it is easy to think about these darker thoughts. There is a world where the, this team wins the World Series. Uh, there's a world where this team makes a deep playoff run. Those things are not nearly as far off the table as I think the the general consensus is. I think a lot of people are so down on this team right now that they've ignored the fact that there's still very positive outcomes for this team that aren't uh, that aren't totally far fetched. That being said, you know this season for Springer is not going to go down as a banner season just as a result of him not playing that much and playing a little bit hurt, and that's going to hurt his overall statistics. You know, I mean, unless he has a totally monster September, I guess. But even then, like, the total value on it isn't going to be huge. You know, Barrios, the total value on this season is not salvageable. Like, he's a, basically a replacement-level pitcher uh, f- through the first more than two-thirds of the season. 
And, you know, Ryu, you really got one and a half decent years out of him on that contract. It was a huge, it's a huge opportunity for this team. And, you know, even them being able to get Semyon last year, like that was partly because these guys were young and they were cheap and you could throw money at guys. And, you know, they they have increased payroll, but they haven't gone crazy. It, has, it wasn't like, even though they've been giving out these big contracts, uh, it's as a result of the fact the rest of their team is young and developed and cheap. And the only one that I think you can look at right now and sort of feel a level of confidence with is Kevin Gosman. Like that's the one deal out of these big contracts where you think, oh, okay, they uh, they really hit this one. And I mean, he's a pitcher, so that could still go horribly wrong. But, you know, at this point in the game, Gosman's is the only big contract where you think, oh, yeah, this is a, this is a good way to use that money. Yeah, no, it, it, it is. It's a problem. It's a problem. Uh, you know, the, there is more money that is going to have to be spent going forward, obviously, as Bo and, and, and Vlad get more expensive. I mean, Bo might need to... You know, the arbitrator might not look so kindly upon Bo this year, um, so maybe maybe they get lucky in that sense. But uh, uh, and you know there is going to be inflation. There's going to be uh, you know the the luxury tax is moving, so I think the payrolls are going to keep growing, and, and they can kind of uh, these these deals will be hidden a little bit more than sort of the sticker shock you get when looking at like holy shit, like seven years, hundred thirty million dollars. But that's still a lot of money that they're going to be spending, and. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's it's not a great track record, and it's you know, like you say, it's a down juncture right now, and things could go could go really well going forward from this point in the season. Uh, you know, it's too soon to start talking about you know Ross Atkins' job, Mark Shapiro's job, but uh, you know, we're we're a lot closer to that conversation than I think we would have been six months ago. Like uh, it's it's like okay, this is this is uh, this is not going great. If they can't, you know, pull this out of the fire and, you know, even like even I mean, the bar is pretty low. Like even just getting into the playoffs at this point would sort of feel like a success in a way, which uh, which six months ago would not have felt like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I coming into the season, the idea that this front office says work would sort of be questioned to the extent that you could have a good faith argument about their job security is really surprising to me. Like it felt pretty locked in. You know, I think partly at the time we we're just sort of happy to see the Blue Jays make these deals because it's not the deals a franchise has generally made. And so a, a brain trust sort of having the wherewithal and the courage, for lack of a better term, to pull the trigger on these big long-term contracts was sort of exciting. And it's like, okay, it, it helps you believe that the franchise is arriving and that we're seeing a new day. But there's a difference between signing huge contracts and uh, signing huge contracts that work out. Um, you can, you know, it's not a participation trophy thing. You have to select the right players. And again, I don't think it's fair to say they've selected the wrong players. You know, Springer, it's been an unfortunate situation. Like coming in, you know, there were some eyes wide open that he had missed some time in the past, but I don't think that it would have been fair to believe he'd play as few games in his first two years as it looks like he's going to play. Like he was the guy who was playing you know, 140 games a year as opposed to 162 and, you know, 122 is on his ledger too. Like he, he wasn't the guy where you barely expect him to sort of push through a hundred games, 115 games or whatever. It's been tough for him. And, you know, he's back now. That's a huge bonus for the team, but it's a bit of a grim return in my view, because he's coming back literally after the 10 days, right? Which to me says that, 
you know, there's nothing specifically that's really getting better. It's not like, oh, okay, now he feels good enough to come back. It's like they kind of assigned him 10 days of rest almost. Yeah. And now he's back. And like his quote, this is a quote from him about it. I've, this is from Shai Davidi's piece, I believe. I've got to do a better job of hiding it, Springer said, of the visual pain before the IL stint. That's my goal, to just go out there and play. It doesn't feel good, but nobody on the field at this point on either side actually feels good. So, oh, well. Like, that is not a rousing words of someone who's going to come back and help dig the Blue Jays out of uh, sort of the doldrums they're in. And I'm not saying that he won't perform well, but I think there's pretty good evidence that you're not going to see the best of George Springer over the next little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and Springer at 80% or 75% or whatever it is, still still pretty good player, but it's not the same. Having him come back uh, when he's still unable to play in center is uh, is a question, and, it, and it, it, it speaks to, you know, their feeling that, the, that things are slipping out from under them a bit, which, you know, fair feeling to have based on the results of late. Uh, and it's so, it's so dispiriting because, I mean, the Baltimore thing is annoying, obviously, for one. Uh, but also just the Yankees have, have not played well, and it's been fun to watch them struggle, uh, except that the Blue Jays are just treading water as badly and are not gaining any ground. Like, they could have been in a real race for the American League East, which seemed impossible, you know, uh, uh, like heading into July or whatever. Uh, and here we are six weeks later, and it's like they could they could have made up a lot of ground if they just played, like, to like to their projections to their potential not even you know necessarily had to go crazy and that and that's the thing and i tweeted this a bit or a bit you know before we went on air about you know looking at some of the comments that chris young and john daniels made after the firing of chris woodward in texas which was kind of a uh a, a weird one because of you know the expectations didn't seem like they were really all that high or shouldn't have been all that high so it would it, it, it struck me as odd that they'd be bothering to fire a manager when it, that, that season seems to be going about as well as i would have expected but they kind of spoke to the details and the processes and and stuff that really reminded me of things that i've heard mark shapiro talk about you know all along the way since 2016 since he arrived late 2015 about you know we want to beat those objective projections we're never going to have the payroll that we can just throw money at the roster until we're better than everybody but we think that there's ways to team build and to build an organization that will allow us you know to beat whatever objective projections are put on us and part of that is you know leadership part of that is preparation all these you know go down all the the list and it's like man you're that just does, does not feel like that's what's happened this year at all. And maybe that's a little unfair, but I think that that's sort of, if that's what you're selling, then uh, yeah, you'd let, you'd really like to see it more. And I guess we, you know, I guess that probably fed into why Charlie's not, not here anymore. Uh, you know, it really never felt, I didn't feel like, like the interim tag was going to last on John Schneider and that this would be the thing going forward. And now you're kind of already in, you're at a junction again, the, the low junction where you're like, well, maybe they, maybe they look to go another way with, with some of this stuff. And maybe they do need fresh eyes and, and a whole sort of house cleaning thing. And it's just such a weird spot to be in because it did not, did not see this coming. And, you know, it can all change in the matter of like a week and get a few wins and stripping and white can, you know, stabilize the back of the rotation. And, 
you know, so Springer could maybe not look like every swing is just an extremely painful exercise. Well, that's what he's working on is preventing you right. from seeing his physical pain. So he'll be, he'll look fine out there, whatever he's um, doing, however he feels. Wonderful to know. Wonderful to know. Uh, but yeah, like it can all change pretty quickly. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been dog shit for sure. Uh, I'd have to like, you know, I, they 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 did they did us all a favor by you know the game got rained out last week. They 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 had an off day. They they definitely took at least one day off over the weekend. Uh, last night was was a real easy one to be like, yeah, no thank you, no Twitter tonight. I'm gonna go like keep my eye on it and not and not like get fully immersed in this game like I would prefer to like it would be a, a, you know the the entertainment value of the product right now is just uh is just not that high and uh, the sort of like second screen stuff is somehow even worse and uh, I would like to see that change if only just for you know everybody's mental health frankly it's uh it's been grim and it is, like you say, it could change very quickly. And, you know, there's a chance you could l- listen back to this episode of the podcast and it would seem truly absurd that, you know, we're even talking about, you know, the jobs of the front office. And I'm not calling for them to be fired by any means, but like the fact that that's a part of the discourse that's no longer just for like the biggest idiots. <laughs> yeah. Um and that, you know, and that we're talking about John Schneider's potentially like that interim could stick if they're not able to sort of pull themselves out of this. I think, you know, both of us felt pretty confident that he was going to be a guy to stick around for a while. But you do have to make the playoffs here with this team. And that went from kind of a given to, you know, I don't know what Fangrass has given them today, but I'm sure they're giving them pretty high, 86.9%. But there's, you know, there's room below that. And, you know, there's an argument to be made that the teams chasing them, particularly the Orioles, uh, are, are whether they're literally better or just are playing better than that, it, it doesn't really matter at a certain point. Um, you know, they lose a couple games here and they're out of the playoffs at this particular moment. So this is a weird moment to be sort of checking in and getting bigger picture. And sometimes the small picture for lack of a better term can really color your view on what the big picture is here, but there are holes you can poke in the big picture right now. And uh, sort of the micro stuff is pretty nasty as well. And one of those things that, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I just agree. Yeah. So one of the the micro things that I I think that there probably hasn't been enough discussion of, so let's drill down on something negative people haven't been thinking about yet, um, is the second base situation, which I think for a while felt like, you know, you had Espinal who was giving you incredible defense and putting the ball in play, and then Biggio came back from his early season injuries, and he did surprisingly well. And you kind of felt like you could rotate those players in whatever the, you know, whatever the matchup is, you could find the right guy for that matchup. And then, you know, they acquire Merrifield and our early assumption is that he's going to be sort of center field insurance for Springer and that will be his biggest positional role. And then nowadays you're seeing him play, you know, a fair amount of second base here. And Espinal and Biggio have combined for a 239, 291, 326 since July 1st. Uh, that is bad. They've both yeah. individually been bad. It hasn't been one sort of dragging down from the other. Um, you know, the whole, you know, not a lot of people talk about Espinal's packing on the pounds of muscle anymore. A few, a uh, few months down the road here. Uh, you know, I think you kind of hope for him to be approximately a league average hitter, but 
they're going to be huge swings with him because he doesn't hit any home runs whatsoever. So he's just putting the ball in play and he doesn't put the ball in play too hard. So he needs a little bit of, he needs luck to have those big times like his 2021 production. I think we both understood that that wasn't what it was fair to expect. Biggio has had his ups and downs. You could still be a little bit optimistic there about him bouncing back from 2021, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like the the possibility of Whit Merrifield stealing the second base job, I'll put it this way, was not something that even crossed my mind uh, when that trade was made. No, I, I did not think about that one either. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it wasn't even that long ago, so maybe it should have been. And maybe you know, maybe we I, I kind of hinted at that in a tweet today as well. Like maybe we read the the Jays' inactivity wrong at the trade deadline, which was that uh, that maybe they're not sure about doubling down on on this group, and maybe they're not sure about you know, uh, or weren't sure about putting the prospects out there if they could have mustered it to to get a, a Castillo or a real difference maker or or to do more than what they than what they did. I tend to not think that's true but uh because i mean they've just been so aggressive already and you know last year at the deadline in the winter and with getting rid of montoyo like they they are they, they're very clearly win now and i think that would have been that would be odd but it's uh i don't know maybe they saw some signs there because you know going after jackie bradley jr they they now have a guy who can maybe play a little center field god i, I don't want to see that again but um and having Merrifield at second base, like this is, uh, I don't know, it, it 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 could be an indicator that they they don't they don't like what they're seeing, uh, not just on the surface, but in some of the underlying stuff from your Espinals, your Biggios, your Springers, your Tapias, uh, which I think is fair. It hasn't been it hasn't been great for those guys, and and when you don't have, you know, when you have the other guys, you know, being just. The what was expected of them being themselves, but not like you know pushing pushing the boundaries of what's possible for them. Uh, yeah, just uh, it doesn't add up quite as quite as uh, nicely as it did last year. Well, you really what you're missing is, with the exception of Kirk, and Kirk hasn't been particularly good lately. But with the exception of Kirk, you're missing that projection buster. Like no one is doing, even guys who are doing fairly well, like. You know, Vladdy's got a 139 WRC plus right now. Like that's undoubtedly a good result. Maybe not a good result for him in particular, but he's playing well. You know, Matt Chapman, 120 is more than you'd expect from him, but the defense has been less. So the total package is sort of about the same. We, you know, Bichette, as you said, is not having the same year. Teoscar Hernandez has been kind of recently the same guy, but his overall numbers are slightly worse because of his early season struggles. Like there isn't a, even, you know, People talk about how good a season Gurriel Jr. is having, and he is at the plate, but you know his base running is atrocious, cost yeah. the team runs, his defense is really bad. Like The overall package for him is actually kind of a below-average starter, which is a wild thing to say about a guy who's hitting 310 in a league where people don't do that and is getting on base at a good clip. But there's just not a position player you can point to and be like, oh, this guy... Uh, with the exception of Kirk, but like you say, wow, this guy is really taking off. And even sort of the Kirk Jansen duo being giving them that insane production at catcher you saw earlier in the year, both those guys have slowed down significantly. So the the Blue Jays calling card of, oh, we've got this good deep lineup, and all, unlike all of you, we have catchers who are mashing, also hasn't been true in recent weeks. No, uh, this is very accurate. It's uh, yeah, it's tough, and and yet. And, you know, to try to be a little bit more positive about it, like, and yet it could it could very well turn, and we know that these guys are capable of better, and we because we've seen it, and we've seen it recently, 
it just uh you know and i I don't go for stuff like oh they're just they looked mediocre except for a couple stretches this year those kind of things like you Mm -hmm. hear that you hear you know there's all sorts of ways to sort of frame the ebbs and flows of a season uh and they tend to be ebbier when you're in the middle of one um but you know it's yeah, it, it's it, it just it has not been fun this last week or two or month or two or whatever however long you want to put on it. Um, and you just it, it, people people think oh you know I, there was the discourse about uh, saying whether they're lost they look lost or not which is which is dumb like I don't know you can say I don't think you need to center the entire discussion around a single word that's yeah. just that's my opinion I mean we <laughs> we talk on podcasts for sort of 40 minutes at a time so maybe we're biased here but I, I like to bring the nuance beyond one English word I think that's I, I think that's probably fair but but you know the, the I mean baseball teams when they lose don't look good I mean watch Yankees discourse on Twitter too like those that that team according to their fans is the worst team in the world when they lose and they're the best team in the world when they win and that's sort of that goes to a lot of fan bases you know end up thinking like that because the sport just ends up kind of pushing you to think like that because we're just not you know we're we're not built for a sport that has this kind of failure and this kind of length and all these things but also you know you say that for five months or four and a half months and it still feels like the team is treading water you kind of start feeling like an asshole a little bit so you know i don't want to tell anyone they're wrong for being like this kind of has been sucking a lot because it's uh, it's not been it's not been entertainment. A lot of the time it has been sucking, but I do want to because this has been a dark episode. I do want to get out of here. You know, like when people ask for sort of the compliment sandwich or whatever. I think we should both say something positive about the team um, before we leave here. Sure. Uh, I'm going to say something which is it's sort of a statistical nugget. I might be writing on it later in the week. I don't know. The Toronto Blue Jays right now uh, are the only team in baseball with six position players with a war of two or better, which is supposed to be kind of the indication of an, a league average starter. And obviously, we're not through the whole season, so you're looking at above league average at that point. So the strength of this team is has been the lineup, and although some of the individuals haven't excelled necessarily, there is a depth to this position player core that is truly rare. And I, you know, I believe in this lineup more so than they've shown. And there's still quite a bit of baseball to be played here. And my prevailing belief is that this lineup will show that it is special uh, over the next month and a half. I, th- I think that's a, I think that's a great one. That that's, uh, I think there's lots of reason to believe that. I mean, I would go maybe more more abstract than that, or like less tangible statistically, and just be like. I mean, there's a ton of teams that would trade places, that would trade rosters, that would trade records, that would trade remaining schedules with the Blue Jays right now. Like, they are in an incredibly strong position to have a very good season and have a very good October, even though it doesn't always feel like that. It certainly doesn't when certain guys are on the hill. But uh, but a lot of teams would trade positions with the Blue Jays right now. It's not 30. Uh, it, it might not be twenty, but but it's but it's up there. There's a lot of teams that would rather have this roster and and this outlook for the future, uh, and that gets lost sometimes when you just get mired in the day to day, especially when there's these ruts that just keep happening. Uh, but that's not how the sport really works. And I wrote about that earlier in the year about 2015 and 16 and how 
you know, I, I, a lot of people are like, oh, this is finally winning baseball. This is what this is like. We curb stop teams every night. And it's like, that's not, I mean, and the Yankees did that a bit earlier this year, but that's not how it really works. Um, and it's tough to get around that, get that out of your head. But, uh, but I think if you looked around the league and looked at like where teams are at, both in terms of their record, in terms of their schedule, in terms of what kind of talent they have on their roster, what the future can bring. Uh, this is a really enviable position that they're in still. and uh, We shouldn't lose sight of that too much. All right. We will leave uh, it with you guys there. We will be back soon. We're going to come to you after the game on Thursday night, and uh, we'll look forward to speaking to you then. My, I anticipate they will have won at least one game during that time. Uh, that's not a confident prediction, but that is what I would project, that there'll be one win to talk about next time you hear from us. <laughs> that would be nice. All right, thanks so much, everybody. Talk to you then.